Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Listen, I'm speaking about faith and aspiration this morning, so as a precursor, listen, faith has a sound. There is a sound of faith. Faith isn't quiet. Faith has a sound. So as I'm preaching this morning, if you can help me by responding, if it's something you like, you know, tell me that you like it, let me know, because faith has a sound, doesn't it? We've, we've had this um, series, this great series, what it's like to be around here, about some things that we don't want in arena and some things that we do want. And it's just been phenomenal. I have the privilege this morning of concluding it. But let me encourage you, if you've not been around for some of the series, get back, go on the podcast. We're blessed to have podcasts that are great quality. Go take a listen to some of those ones that you've missed because it's vital if you belong to arena. But as I said, I'm speaking on faith and aspiration this morning. See, faith and aspiration are related, but they aren't the same thing. I believe that aspiration is a result of faith. See, we have faith in Jesus, and aspiration comes out of and from our relationship with him. See, I I believe as we draw close to Jesus, we can't help but dream and have faith to believe that God's going to do something great in our future. That's what I believe. That the closer I get to God, the closer I get to Jesus, that the more he calls me to. And the more dreams, the more visions I have over my life. Hebrews 11 gives us the biblical definition of faith. It says this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And Hebrews 11 verse 6 goes on to say this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, to have a relationship with God, we have to have faith in him. See, I have assurance that he's here today. I have assurance that Jesus died on the cross for me. I have assurance that he created heaven and earth. See, that foundation, that faith, builds, you know, we talk about building our lives. We build our lives on the foundation of faith that is Jesus Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? See, it's impossible to believe that God's here because the reality is Jesus isn't sat on the front seat this morning, is he? In human form. But we believe he's here because of our faith. Yeah? So it's impossible to please God without faith, but it's impossible to have a relationship with God, I believe without faith. See, the definition of aspiration is a strong desire to achieve something. Its scientific take is described as the act of breathing. See, when we talk about aspiration, we're talking about looking to the things that keep us alive. See, why do you wake up in the morning? Why do you get up? Why are you here? When we lose our aspiration, when we lose vision over our life, I I believe it becomes very hard to wake up in the morning and we forget why we're here really quickly. See, we are called to aspire. We are called to believe for more. We are called to have a vision and a dream over our life. See, God wants you to have dreams that impact our world. We need you to aspire to bigger things because that's how we step up. See, the way the world has changed is by people like you and me getting a picture of something bigger than us and then clinging on to God until it comes to pass. See, I think aspiration's been seen as a bit of a dark art in church or that person's, you know, that person's ambitious. 
but it's a godly pursuit. We see in Ephesians 3.20 that God called us to, to more than all we can ask, think, or imagine. Aspiration is close to God's heart. See, there's a few phrases that we've got for faith and aspiration as arena, and they're just going to come up on the screen now. And the first is this. In living a life of faith and aspiration at arena, this means we believe in the impossible. See, we believe in a God who opens blind eyes, who makes deaf ears hear, who can move mountains with just an utterance of his voice. We believe in that God. We believe in the God of the impossible. The next thing is this, that we follow the Bible and what God says, even when it doesn't fully make sense. We were in Wales a few weeks ago with our family and I was reading my Bible at the, the breakfast table, very spiritual, I know, in the morning. You can laugh, it's all right, that was a joke. And, and I was underlining something in my Bible and my dad goes, are you crossing stuff out? <laughs> like, the, the reality is sometimes we want to cross stuff out of our Bibles, don't we? Hello everybody, like that sometimes it's just a bit too close to home. But the reality is that even when there's things that don't make sense, even when there's things that might hurt us, that we read our Bibles and God's word is final, not my word. We believe in God's word over the voice of the world. The next thing is this, that we actively take steps of faith and we are not passive. We're going to come on to that in just a second. And the last thing, we believe that God's working in our lives even when we can't see it. I think this can be hard at times. It's, it's sometimes easy when things are going well, when you've got the promotion, when you've got the pay rise or the new house or the new car. But sometimes we go through stuff in life, don't we? And it's like, God, <laughs> like, where are you? I want to tell you today that if you're going through one of those situations that God's right there with you, that he's walking with you, don't run away from him, but run to him. Because he's working in your life, even when you can't see it. Today, I want to look at an account in the Bible that's filled with faith and aspiration. So Mark 5, verse 21 to 42 says this. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd had gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciple answers, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, not knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. 
He didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kuhn, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. What an amazing passage. I love this account of Jesus, Jairus, and the woman with the issue of blood. We're just going to park it for a second. But have you ever been in a situation where there was something you wanted right in front of you, but maybe you weren't quite bold enough to step out and get it? Anybody? I think we've all probably been in situations like this where there's something, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, right in front of you, but you weren't quite bold enough to step out and get it. I mean, a few years ago, uh, some of my friendship group were like this. There were girls they might have liked. And I might just go and speak to them. and like, no, they'll come and speak to me. <laughs> really bold. J- Jared, funnily enough, told the story at his wedding. Uh, Jared, Jared and Sam just got married last week. And he told the story about how Sam asked him out, <laughs> which is quite funny. But thankfully, I, I didn't have this problem. On my third or fourth try, I bagged myself a catch at 18. But sometimes, uh, maybe few, it wasn't a relationship. Maybe, maybe for you it's that business, not quite bold enough to step into it. Maybe it's that dream. Maybe it's that aspiration. Maybe it's what God's called you to, but for whatever reason, you haven't been bold enough to step out and take hold of what God has called you to. See, I'm sure we've all had these moments where the fear of failure, the fear of messing up, the fear of looking stupid has stopped us pressing in to all we are called to do. See, when it's small things, it's, that's cool. But when it comes to your destiny, your future and your God-ordained calling over your life, it's not okay. See, I know the fear of failure has stopped people more often than not stepping into all they are called to be. What we're doing is valuing fear over our destiny. See, Mark 5 we encounter a religious man whose daughter is dying and a woman who's at the end of a tether. She's had enough. We know that the guy is called Jairus, but the woman's only known to us as the woman with the issue of blood. See, from the account in Luke, we understand that she's had this issue for 12 years. She's been to see the brightest. She's been to see the best. She's been to see the best doctor. She's been to see the, the best healers of the time. And all they've done is take advantage of her and left her worse off every single time. She's had enough. See, because of the law, you might not understand, but because of the law of the day, the issue that she had will have had social implications because it will have made her unclean in the eyes of the law. So because of that, she was probably a cast out, offcast of society. People didn't want to be around her because that made them unclean. Now, I don't know this, but maybe her friends deserted her. Maybe her family didn't want to know her anymore because of this issue. 
Just maybe. Maybe this was a lonely woman who only had one option left. See, where many of us have stood back and not taken hold of the opportunity presented to us, this woman wasn't going to let it pass her by. She pushed through the crowd because she needed Jesus to heal her. Leaving it and moving on was not an option for this woman. She had to get to Jesus no matter what. She had to be healed. See, we see that she does this and Jesus heals her. Amazing. And Jesus says to her, your faith has healed you. This account shows us a great deal about faith and aspiration. See, the first thing I believe it teaches us is this. Faith knows where to go. We see that Jairus, the religious leader, went straight to Jesus and it says he fell on his hands and knees. See, this says a lot because this man's peers, because he was a religious leader, this man's peers were people who hated Jesus. The people who opposed Jesus the most were not the, the irreligious people of the day. The irreligious people loved Jesus. The people who hated Jesus were the religious leaders. So this man, he's putting his reputation on the line by coming to Jesus publicly, falling on his hands and knees. Because what he's doing is he's saying to him, you are Lord and you can help in this situation. See, faith starts with an understanding that Jesus is the only place for us to go. That he's our best option, not our last resort. This man could have gone anywhere. He could have gone to the religious leaders. He could have gone to the healers. He could have gone to the doctors. But he chose to go to Jesus. I believe that you can see where someone's faith is by what they go to first. Is your faith in your bank balance? Is your faith in social media? Is your faith in that friend or the doctors? Or is your faith in Jesus? Now, all those things are great things. I thank God for our doctors. I thank God for my friends and my family. But where do you go first? He should be our first response. We should go to Jesus first. See, I believe that the best place to run is to Jesus. When everything is falling to pieces, he's the one who can gather it together. See, true faith is shown in times of crisis. See, the reason we go to Jesus is because he is able to heal. He is able to save. He is able to intervene. And he is able to bring breakthrough. See, it takes faith to believe that. It takes faith to believe that he can heal and he can save us. And the way we build that is by getting to know him. I find that the more I spend time with Jesus, the more I I appreciate his greatness, the more I appreciate his bigness, the more I appreciate what he thinks about me. The more I'm around Jesus, the more my faith is built. Faith knows where to go. The next thing I see is this, that faith takes a risk. So this woman took a huge risk when stepping out to see Jesus. There's no two ways about it. Like I said, the implications of the day would have meant that this woman was a cast off of society. She shouldn't have even been anywhere near this crowd. Now there are a few hurdles. First of all, the, the, the most simple hurdle was that she was a woman. And women should not have been approaching men in this way, especially a man of standing. Now, Jairus, what did he do? He went on behalf of his daughter. So people in the day needed a male sponsor. This is what this woman should have done, but she didn't. 
So in this society, first of all, the big step is to be around this group of men, this intense group of men where people are crowding around Jesus. The second thing, like I said, is that people will have believed that the issue she had made them unclean. So as she's pushing through the crowd, in effect, people would have believed that she's making them unclean. If someone found out that she was there, if someone found out that she was in this crowd, there would have been uproar. She's putting herself at great risk. See, with every step she takes, I believe her heartbeat rises. She's pushing through this crowd to take hold of what she believes this Jesus can give her. And then she takes the last risk, the most shocking of all things. She doesn't go to Jesus and tap him on the shoulder and say, excuse me, sir, can you heal me? She grabs hold of him and she steals her miracle from God. That's what she did. She stole her miracle from God. She took it. She didn't ask for it. She grabbed out and took his, touched his clothes. And what does it say? She was healed. Outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. She stole a miracle from God. She goes away. She knows straight away it's healed. Jesus looks around and he says, who touched me? And I don't know if you've been to a football match or a, or a big gig before, but like crowds are intense, aren't they? You know, when it, like people are touching you everywhere, you don't know who's touching you and what's touching you. And I think Jesus, when Jesus says this, his disciples are like, Jesus, everybody's touching you. But someone had touched him in a different way. And this woman probably does the boldest thing of all. She comes forward and says, it was me. I think at this point she's expecting a dressing down. She's expecting a telling off. I think it says she was scared, well, in my words, scared to death. It was me. But Jesus does something completely different. He says, your faith has healed you. I just wonder, what would happen if Christians began to take huge steps of faith, huge risks as they feel called by God? See, I think we choke our aspirations and our dreams because we're not willing to take a risk, to step forward like this woman did. See, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. Then there are going to be times that we have to step out and if God doesn't come through, we're going to be in trouble. See, I believe that this is exactly where God wants us, where we aren't talented enough where we aren't strong enough, where we aren't rich enough. And if he doesn't come through, we're in a mess. I believe that's where God wants you, where you can't do it on your own, but he has to do it through you. Are you taking risks? See, I think we sit around waiting for God to say something when he's already said plenty in his word. Isn't the Great Commission big enough? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations Yet loads of us are waiting on our word. God's already called us. But what do we do? We leave the primary form of communication between us and God lying on our bookshelf gathering dust. If you want to step into all God's got for you, make reading your Bible and encountering Jesus a daily habit. Because without it, I'm sorry, you won't press in to all that he's got for you. So if you want to live a life of faith and aspiration, you'll be constantly in a place 
where God needs to come through. History shows us that those who made the biggest impact took the biggest risks. The next thing I see is this, that faith makes a move. Faith makes a move. This woman didn't sit back. She didn't wait for Jesus to come to her. She actually, as I said, she took her miracle from God. What if we had some people rise up that had such a confidence and faith in God that they know that as they move, as they step forward, as they commit what they do to God, they can expect him to come through. I believe that this is the type of faith that we're supposed to live our lives upon. That God, I commit this to you. God, I give this to you. God, show me your way. And you know what? If I don't feel his opposition, what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to take a step. Because I know, actually, that the theological uh, point of the Bible, it runs through the Bible, that God is with me. God's with me. God wants us to take steps of faith as we commit to him, as we give our lives to him. See, that's when we see an area change for Jesus, when ordinary people take huge steps of faith, relying on God. Are you sitting back? Have you been waiting for your word? If I'm being honest, I think at times we use that as an excuse for laziness. I just wonder with all of our waiting that God... Maybe he's saying, I already gave you the guidelines, my word. Faith makes a move and knows that God will show up. The next thing is this, that faith hears the voice of Jesus over the voice of the world. See, we come back to our other focal point in this story, Jairus, the religious leader. The woman's been healed, phenomenal. But in the commotion... This man's daughter has died. His friends came to him. Jairus' friends came to him and said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. See, what did Jesus say? He said, don't be afraid. Just believe. Now, I know a lot of you guys in here are super holy. But if this was me, I would be freaking out. I'm like, Jesus... Don't be afraid. Like, Jesus, my daughter is dying. Like, there's nothing more frustrating, is there, than when you're losing the plot, but, like, the person next to you is like, don't worry about it, it's fine. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes in the car, when someone cuts me up, I get a little agitated. <laughs> and my wife's there, and she's like, don't worry about it. It doesn't really matter. They're like, babe, just lose it with me for a second. I think Jesus was frustrating in this way. Because Jairus would have been losing the plot. His daughter's died. And Jesus is calm and is like, don't be afraid. Just believe. See, this short interaction teaches us a key element of faith. Listen to Jesus over the voice of the world. The world will tell you a lot that you aren't good enough, that you'll never do, that you aren't talented enough, that you won't be healed of that disease. But Jesus will tell you that you are more than a conqueror. That you can do all things through him who gives you strength. That he's mighty to save. That he hasn't let anybody down and he won't start with you. Listen to his voice over the voice of the world. See, faith chooses which voice to tune into. If you tune into the voice of the world, you will get lost and depressed 
very quickly because we go through some real situations, don't we? We go through some real trials, some real stuff that's horrible. If we listen to the voice of the world, we get lost and depressed very quickly. See, if Jairus would have listened to the voice of man, his daughter would never have been healed. He would never have pressed through. But because he listened to the voice of God, his daughter was raised to life. What aspirations do you have that the world have said will never happen? Maybe it's that business. Maybe it's that ministry. Maybe it's seeing your office saved by Jesus. But the world's been telling you that you're stupid. That voice inside your head called fear has been telling you it could never happen. See, if you aspire to great things, you'll have to shake off the naysayers of the world and you'll have to tune in to God's voice. Taylor Swift sang that song, didn't she? Shake it off. Sometimes you just have to shake it off. Shake off what the world's saying and tune in to what God's saying. See, what we're doing here at Arena, people have said will never work. We can't impact the community. We'll never build a prevailing church in Mansfield. But God says something different. And he's called us to go and grow and to love and serve our community. And that's what we'll do. Because what he says and what he says is all that matters. That's the reality. See, faith not only hears something different, but faith sees something different. See, when they saw this little girl, they were losing it, as I said. But what did Jesus do? Did he get drawn in? No. He saw something different. He said, this child is not dead, but asleep. See, faith sees through different eyes. And we have to tap into Jesus for this. We just can't do this on our own. We need to see the world as he sees it. See people as he sees them. Many people see this town, see Ilkeston, see Mansfield, even see the Midlands as a bit of a write-off. Just somewhere that you drive through. But you know what? God sees this town with different eyes. God sees this town with, big fu- with a big future, with a big hope. And you know what? His church needs to rise up and see the same thing as he is. That's what we need to do. Jesus sees it different. Faith sees something different. See, what are you seeing in your life? Are you believing for more? Do you have aspirations? Do you believe God when he says he wants to give you more than you can ask, think, or imagine? If you want to check that verse out, it's in Ephesians 3.20. He does. See something different over your life. Your life contains so much promise. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. Your life contains promise because that's what I see in my word, that he's calling us to more. John 10 10 says, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. He's calling you to bigger. Aspire to more. Aspire to bigger. Not in your strength, but in his. Not for selfish ambition and gain, but for his kingdom. See, we need people who are going to earn millions of pounds who will fund the work that the church is doing. We need people to be market leaders in their industry because that brings influence. We need nurses, doctors, teachers, professionals, builders, chefs, laborers, salespeople, servers who will believe that God is calling them to places of influence so that they can see their world changed. 
See, when you walk into that office tomorrow morning, you are doing ministry. This here, this is not just ministry. When you walk into that office, when you walk into that school, when you go down your street, you are doing ministry because that's where God has placed you and that's where you're called. When you walk into that office tomorrow morning, know that God's called you there. You can walk with faith. You can walk with boldness. You can walk with authority because he has called you there. Thank you, God. See, I believe that God wants to bless me. I think we find this really hard. But God wants to bless you. God wants to bless me. I think what we do is we feel like we need to earn it. We feel like we need to try really hard so that God will bless us. But listen, he's a good father. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to favor you. He wants to give you more. The last thing I see, the bank can come up, is that faith has a different language. Faith has a different language. See, we see that these people were crying and wailing loudly, it says. I'm sure they were saying things like, I can't believe she's gone. We'll never see her again. My daughter's dead. How is this fair? But Jesus didn't get drawn in. He had a different language. See, the family was speaking words of death where Jesus' words brought life. Verse 41, it says this. He took her hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. As soon as he uttered these words of life, this little girl sprang back into action. She was alive. Jesus had spoken a different language. He'd brought words of life. See, faith always has a different language. Aspiration has a different sound. What you say, the words you use, they're so important. I hear so many people be so negative. So negative about the world we live in, the town, their own life, about themselves. I'm stupid. I'll never achieve that. You can't do that. No, we'll never do that. People being so negative. If we're being honest, the, the language of the world is language of negativity. Anybody? We've all been sold that the world's going to pot, that the world, you know, is in a mess. And we know that some of that is true. I'm not talking about being faith. But faith has a different language. Let's speak words of life. Let's speak words that not just continue to perpetuate the circle of death but actually spark something into being. What we need is modern day prophets who don't say, thus saith the Lord, but will go into the workplace and prophesy over their workplace. We need people who are going to go into their, into their friendship groups and prophesy over their friendship groups. I'm not saying you have to go and say, God told me this. What I'm saying is this, that you're called to more, that you are called to bigger, that God's got a big plan for you. I love doing this over my friends. I love doing this over the people around me because they don't hear stuff like that. Even from the family, even from the teachers at school, they've heard, you know, just, you know, oh, you want to go and do that business? Yeah, let's just be a bit more realistic. I want to call people to more. I want to call people to bigger. Faith has a different language. See, the Bible backs this up. Proverbs 18.21 says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. 
People of faith have a different language. They have a different language. See, those who achieve great things, they do have a different language. They speak what isn't into being. Can we do that over Mansfield? Can we speak those words alive? Can you speak it over your own life? That broken dream, that broken family, this broken town. Can we bring words of life that will spark something new into being? I believe that God can change your situation. I believe that God can change that workplace. I believe God can change this town. Why? Because I see it in my Bible. All it needs is a few people who stand up and go out there with a different language. Today I want to ask you, have you been living in fear rather than faith? Don't be ashamed. Probably 80% of people in here, maybe more, have been living like that because that's the way of the world. See, faith isn't the absence of fear. It's pressing ahead in the face of fear. Have you been saying no to your dreams and aspirations because it might not work out? Have you been living in your own strength? See, God's calling you to pick up that dream, pick up that aspiration and faith that he can and he will come through. I think there's some people in here, you've stopped praying for a son or daughter. You've stopped praying over a situation because you just keep getting let down and let down and let down. And I want to tell you today, go again. Go again. God's calling you to more. God says something different about your situation. I don't care how many years it's been. I don't care how hard it's been. God does. He's saying, pick it up and let's go again. Pick that dream up. There's some people here who used to pray for revival in Mansfield, but because it's not come over a course of years, you've stopped. God's saying, pick it up and let's go again. Have we got some people in Arena Church who are going to rise up with faith and believe that he can and he will come through. God's calling us to more. See, our church, our world needs you to function in what God's called you to. Please don't lay down that aspiration. We need you living out your calling because 500 people across Arena today, I believe, can see our area transformed. In Acts 1 and Acts 2, we see that a number of 120 gathered for a prayer meeting. The Holy Spirit fell mightily. And from that, in a matter of weeks and months, an area was changed. In Acts, we see that one of the meetings that they held, the whole city came to. 120. Well, there's 500 of of us today. And I believe as we start to take some risks for Jesus, we start to step out, we start to have faith that he can and he will come through, that we will see an area changed. That's what I believe.